So if you would stand with, with me for the reading of the Word of God, I, I want to go to a little passage of Scripture that really is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Paul is writing to the Ephesians church, the church at Ephesus, and he spent three and a half years with them, and he's now encouraging them on, on best practices, on ways to live, and how to really excel in your walk with God. And so he says in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. I want to say glory. That's a very, very important word in our life. To be strengthened with might by his spirit. How do we get strengthened? By his spirit. In what part? The inner man. You don't just strengthen the outer man first to strengthen the inner man. The spirit actually does the work and wants to strengthen your inner man to affect your outer man. And then verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. You have to be planted somewhere. Amen. And you have to stay there long enough to be grounded. Amen. In order to know the love of God may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth all knowledge, or is beyond all knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I want to say fullness of God. Man, that's good. Now unto him, this is one of my favorite verses. You probably know it by heart. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He said there's a God that we serve who is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or ever think. Amen. That literally you can't imagine something big enough to outdo God. Do you, do you know the kind of God we serve? I just want to encourage you this morning on how big our God is. Amen? Hallelujah. He, we just had everyone just went and put these funky glasses on to watch the eclipse. God did that whole thing and God, God orchestrated and created that whole thing in a half a day. That's just a half a day's work. And the whole planet decided to take a day off and do no productivity to go watch what happens when the moon gets in the, in the path of the sun. I think it's really cool that God is so awesome that he makes the moon have a conversation with the sea. I think our God is so powerful that he can do things we haven't even discovered yet. And yet we are standing here with maybe our little problem, holding it up to God going, why haven't you touched this thing yet? And God's saying, just so you know, that is only a piece to everything that I have going on so that God will get glory in your life at some point. There's a greater weight working in your life. There's a greater thing going on. And if we ever get involved with the greater, we'll know that he is still good. Amen. That God is still good. Amen? I'm so excited to preach to you this message because I really don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm really glad to preach it because I feel empowered to tell you that whenever I feel discouraged, I tell myself, God's got more. God has more in this situation. So I want to preach a little message called Settle for More. Settle for more. And I need a couple of guys to help me as I pray. Would you, uh, Rob, would you run up here and help me out? I appreciate you. And let's just um, hold your finger in Ephesians 3 in your Bible. 
and we'll pray. There's a shovel over there and a sickle. Could you bring that to me? There's Seth, there's a weight and a measuring stick back there. Could you bring that up here and just set them out on the stage? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love and adore you. We appreciate you. We're so glad your presence is here. We know you're going to do great and mighty and powerful things. In Jesus' name, if you just lay them on there. Amen, amen, amen. Just lay them and set them out, just each one, so they can be seen. Thank you so much. All right, you may be seated. Thanks for being at the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we measure things the wrong way. Amen. And it's not necessarily a fault of our own. Um, it's a human thing. We, we measure everything. Any, any measurers here? Are there any people that like to see how things stack up? Anybody love numbers? Any number people here? And you can't even help yourself. You, you just uh, you just measure it. You just, is it good? Is it right? What's the length of it? How long is it going to last? If I buy it now, how much am I going to spend? Any, any of those folks here that, that are always looking for the best deal? Because you're not going to settle for anything less than the best deal, amen? Any of those folks here? All right. Well, guess what? There is places in Scripture where it talks about this, where there, there, there's a measuring stick that we can have in our life where we can measure things according to what we see and how we hear it and how we assess it. And I want you to understand that word more means so much more to me. How'd you like that one? I'll get better as we go. Just watch. I have more acronyms for you, and it's going to get real corny before we're done. But the funny thing that I find about this word is you define your own more often, and you define it by how you measure life. I have a measuring stick just like anyone else. I don't mean to measure, but when we get together, we start having small talk. I just ask, so... Um, what what do you do? <laughs> Where do you work? Where do you live? And we as people have ascribed certain levels of value based upon where'd you go to college? What's your background? Where's your uh, where's your where where where's your family from? And and I I, I have different measuring sticks that I use based upon my feelings at times. Hello, somebody. And those are very poor measuring sticks. Those are not suitable measuring sticks because they are deficient in knowing what's working behind the scenes. The measuring sticks that we have as human beings only measure what we can see on the surface. Amen? But there is often a lot of work going on behind the scenes. And for the Christian brothers and sisters who are living in Jesus Christ, we believe that he's doing a greater work of glory in us. Amen? That there's a greater weight going on that we can't see everything that he's up to. And if we were to measure it with our own eyes and with our own ears and with our own five senses, we're only measuring what we can see as a human being. But there's so much more weight going on in our life. And some of you run from the scales, but but this today, we're going to go, we're going to go to the scales. But there's so much more weight going on in our life than just the measuring stick we want to measure what God is doing with. And we need to stand on the scale sometime and say, God, what is the substance of what you're up to? What does this, how is this going to weigh in my life instead of how does this look in my measuring stick right now? I had a situation happened a couple weeks ago and maybe this story will encourage you the bible's full of stories so i figured telling stories is a good way to relate some spiritual concepts that is what a parable is right 
spiritual story or a have earthly story with a spiritual concept. We went out to eat with um, some good friends, Nathan and Scotia. Did I say it right? Scotia. So hard for me to get that one right. And um, we were just out to eat, and we wanted to give them good hospitality. You guys know who they are. We love them half to death. And um, they came and preached here a couple weeks ago. But we decided we were going to take them out to eat for lunch. We are going to take care of the meal, and we are going to have some good fellowship and not require anything of them, not make them have to encourage us, not make them have to be good you know, company. They can just sit there if they want to and eat a really good meal. And we took them out to... A wonderful little place. It's a Cafe Hollander. I always call it Cafe Hollister because for some reason I think it's a clothing store instead of a place to eat. I don't know why, but it's stuck in my brain. So we took them to Cafe Hollander and we had a wonderful meal. But while we were waiting on the meal, they said it's going to be a 30-minute wait. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. 30 minutes? That seems like a really long time. There's, it's after the noon hour. We, we get done a little bit later sometimes here. And it's after the noon hour. Shouldn't be a rush, but still 30 minutes. So we decided that we were going, going to go to the new L.L. Bean store that opened right next door. Someone say, hallelujah. Now I'm preaching. We're at the L.L. Bean store. So we're at the L.L. Bean store and we're walking through and I'm a little bit irritated because my measuring stick says you should have a table for us. You should have a place for us to sit almost right down because it's not the rush hour anymore. And I'm looking around and I can see tables and I don't know why it's not easy enough for us to just walk over there and sit down. So I'm having this flesh moment where I'm irritated. Anybody been there? Oh good. We have an honest church today. Praise God. And we go on over to L.L. Bean, and, and my measuring stick says, this is a waste of time. We're just here biding our time till the little text message comes in, and we can go back over and eat some good food and do what we had planned and measured out to do was give our friends a very good meal. And we're standing there, and we're looking at these camping pants. We're in the men's section, and we're looking at these men's pants that are worn in the mountains and all of this stuff, and they are just amazingly built, strong material. Now, this is all going somewhere. Don't think I'm just rambling. I'm getting somewhere. And, and we're looking at these, and I said, hey, man, have you ever tried these? Look at these. These are, t these are durable. These last in the rocks, the jagged edges. And, he, and he's like, oh, man, yeah, I... I haven't bought a pair of, I mean, this is Mr. Man Up. I haven't bought a pair in like two and a half years and mine are worn out. And the Holy Ghost, now mind you, I'm irritated because we're not eating dinner. And the Holy Ghost says, you're going to buy him some pants. And I went, Lord, you do know we're an L.L. Bean, right? And these pants are way more expensive than they need to be. And the Holy Ghost said, you're going to buy him three. About that point, I shut up because I was at one pair of pants, and now I'm at three because I'm questioning the Lord. And so I said, he walks up to the rack, and he opens it, and he goes, man, this is my size. Never even, I hadn't said anything yet. And the Holy Ghost is saying, you're going to buy those for him. And my measuring stick, you know, is now nowhere. I, this is just ridiculous. I don't even know what's going on. I thought we were waiting for dinner. Now I'm spending $300 on pants. This makes absolutely no sense to me. And so I'm like, Lord, what is the deal? And he's like, he needs them. And I'm like, this is the guy who spends all of his days in the woods. I'm sure he has spare, you know, pants. And so... 
I like, well, try them on. He's like, we have time for that? I'm like, yeah, we do. He's like, no, man, it's okay. I said, hey, man, I want to buy those for you. And he goes, no, 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 you don't. I said, don't let your pride get in the way of a blessing. I said, the Lord just told me that I'm to get these for you. And he goes, really? And his eyes teared up. And he goes, okay. So he grabbed one pair. And so I just started bringing pairs to the dressing room. You know, I just, I found out his size. And so I started going around and bringing, you like these? You like these? I'm like his concierge, you know, I'm just bringing him pants. So we find three amazing pairs of pants that he's going to use when he's on his man up trip. He goes, next time I'm on man up, you're going to see me wearing these yellow bean pants. You're going to be like, I know how those got there. And he's like, I can't even believe this. And I'm like, just, he goes, I can't believe you're doing this. I said, don't worry about this. I feel like the Holy Ghost told me to do this for you. He goes, you don't even know what this means. And I said, well, you guys, now, Scotia, Scotia, I'll get it someday. Now, Scotia and Sarah have showed back up to this little party that the Holy Ghost, me and Nathan are having about pants. And they're like, Hey, it's time for our meal. Text is going off. I said, you guys go. I'm going to get in line. I'll pay for these, and I'll bring them over. And I came over, and they were already at the table, and I just kind of bowled them to his chair, you know, and didn't make a big deal about it, and just bought him, you know, a couple hundred pairs, a couple hundred dollars worth of pants. And they're going to last him a long time, but the thing is, we were sitting there, and Sarah was like, you don't even know why you were paying for those. He was fighting back tears when he was saying thank you. Because we didn't know the full story. All I knew was I could tell he needed them because he was like, man, I could really use. And all I know was the Holy Ghost said, there's a greater weight of something that's going on here. There's something more weighty in this moment right now that I want you to take in and I want you to buy those for him. And then whenever we got to the end of the meal, he stood up and he picked up his pants and he just went, he goes, you know, fighting back tears again. He's like doing one of those things. He goes... It seems strange, but for me, on this faith walk, I don't have a lot of money sometimes to budget toward these kind of things. He goes, and I had, I had saved $100, and I set it aside and put it in my wallet, folded it up, stuck it, and I was going to, in, in the back of my wallet, and I was going to buy myself some new hiking pants. He goes, but two weeks ago, I was, two weeks ago, I was in a service, and there was an offering given for a very, very needed reason. He goes, and the Lord said, put that $100 in that offering. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up because God wants to let us see that there is something greater than what we have the ability to visibly assess in our lives. And I want you to know that when we say, God, if it is, if it is for your glory, I don't know why I have to give out to this situation. I don't know why I have to give out to this thing. But he said, I gave all that I had. I gave the $100 bill that I was supposed to go to these pants in the offering. And I was going to buy one pair of pants. And God gave me three pairs of pants today from the blessing from you and I want you to know that I didn't know this was coming and that's why I'm fighting back tears because I needed them desperately there was rips and tears and holes and even my wife came to tears when I told her that you guys bought these for us and I, I, I don't even know what to say except for the fact that God has done more with my hundred dollars than I ever could have done if I would have tucked it away and bought a pair myself and he settled for more and the emotion and the trust in God and the power of God and the story itself should be encouraging you today here. 
and you can apply anything you want, if you have to give up and it seems like you're losing or like you're going to have less because you gave, you could be, if given it to God, you could be settling for more. You could be settling for more. See, more means more than just that. More means myself first, the M, myself. Sometimes we can measure ourselves and we think, Lord, I'm not big enough for what you're calling me to. I'm not strong enough. I don't have a big enough bank account to handle the business you want me to start. I don't have the capabilities to, to love that man <laughs> or love that woman the way that you want me to love them. And I just don't know that I can maybe even measure up to the expectations on me at work. And, and you're, you're settling for more means moving yourself out of the equation. And not thinking too highly of yourself as you shouldn't. Because if God puts it in your life, he's going to provide for it. If he gives you a purpose, he's going to make a provision for it. I promise you that. That if you give it to God, you're settling for more. If you remove yourself from the equation. When God gave Moses a second look, he stopped and saw a burning bush. And God said, I'm going to send you to Egypt 1.5 million possible people in the greatest exodus that ever took place in the word of God. You can read it in the book of Exodus. But whenever God said, I'm going to send you, and Moses said, I don't even know if they'll listen to me. Who do I say sent me? Because you don't know what my deficiency are, God. He got his measuring stick out right away. He said, you don't know that I can't speak well. I stutter and I don't have eloquence of voice and what God said is why are you looking at yourself whenever I call you I also commission you and I also qualify you you don't need your measuring stick of how good you are or how great you can do it whenever God calls you to do it he will give you everything you need for substance there's a greater weight involved than what I can do myself and so I have to always remind myself when I'm Maybe preparing a sermon or whenever I'm looking at a need that's standing in front of me or when I'm looking at a need in my own life or in my own relationships that I need to lay down the measuring stick of myself and say, he didn't call me because I was qualified. He called me because he's well able, amen, to do exceeding, abundant, above all we could ask or think. Moses was never part of the equation to bring the people out of, Israel, out of Egypt to Israel. He was never a part of the equation. His qualifications would not have gotten them past the first situation. I, I promise you that. But he took himself out of the equation whenever God used him. And then the, the O stands for opportunities. How many have ever missed an opportunity? How many want to admit that you, you, you meant to, but you missed the opportunity? I want you to know that missed opportunities can be redeemed by God. That whenever you settle for more, you move yourself out of the way and you also remove the remorse of any missed opportunities in your life. Because you can say, God, I may not have gotten it right then, but when it comes up again, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be ready for you to do your work in me. And I want you to do the things that only you can do. And I'm going to ask God for opportunities that are bigger than myself. Amen. I'm going to ask God for opportunities that are bigger than my knowledge, bigger than my capabilities. They say when you win or when you get to a place where you've never been before, act like you've been there. Have you ever heard that before? Well, I want you to know that I sometimes take that when I'm settling for more. I just act like this is what God wanted for me anyways. I 
would have got here with his help somehow. So if I'm just entrusting my life to Jesus Christ, I know that he's going to give me the opportunities he wants me to have when he wants me to have them. Amen, somebody. And the R of more stands for results. How can I quantify the results of this sermon today? How can I quantify the results of who it's going to touch online when it goes out to the World Wide Web? How do I know who this is going to reach that needs to hear that you're not done, your life's not over, this isn't the end. There's more for you, and it's in, found in Jesus Christ. How do I say the impact of this place with a few empty chairs? How do I say that the results are measurable? I know you can't change things unless you measure them. I believe in measurement. But while I'm measuring things, I want you to know that if we measure 70 here last week with four getting the Holy Ghost, that's exciting. But every single week these doors are open and every single week we have our service and every single week that service is not just to serve us but it's to serve him, amen? And we have to understand that we come to the house of God to hear the reading of the word of God that encourages our faith for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you don't have a reservoir full of faith then you will not be able to accomplish the understanding of God for it's by the power of the spirit that moves in this place that our faith is filled up when the word is preached and that word is anointed by his spirit and his spirit has greater impact and greater results than we can ever measure in our human understanding we can't even put our brain around this God how are we ever going to measure the results of what this God can do but if somebody will get on fire for God if somebody will literally get something burning on the inside and say I'm not going to measure today by who's in the pew and who's not in the pew I'm not going to measure today by how great the band is I'm going to measure today by the weight of glory of Jesus Christ who, who, who spent his entire evening in a garden of Gethsemane on his knees praying so that he could take on the greater weight of glory if a cross and if being mutilated to the point that his visage was not recognizable is, the, is something that is less than the glory that we have to expect in heaven. The glory we have to look forward to. If the tragedy of something so terrible as the cross is worthy to be endured, Jesus said, for the joy set before him, can we not get our minds around the weight of the glory that we are going to experience someday? It may be a Sunday morning where we bring our Starbucks and we sit and we look at the word of God in Ephesians and see how a church was encouraged. But I want you to know that this is only a light affliction on this side compared to the weight of glory on the other side. And the actual word glory in the Greek means weight. So we know that there's a greater weight of results coming to our life. And the E means experience. Sometimes we forfeit what God wants to do in our life because of the experiences we've already had. God doesn't work like that. It's not going to happen that way. This city is not reached like that. There's people in my workplace you wouldn't even understand. They just don't want to talk about Jesus. I've invited people to church. They don't show up. Your experience 
can make you settle for less because your experience put ahead of what God's promises are makes your experience God. You have idealized and put up on a pedestal above God what your experience is. And you need to pull down your experience and say, though I have experienced this, my God is greater than all that. His promises are still true. His promises are still great. And he said, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land and I will bring forth revival. I promise you that God can do great things in our midst if we will just look past our experience and say, I know it's like this in my experience, but God can do a new thing. God can do a new thing, amen? Hallelujah. Is this okay for today? I hope I'm reaching somebody. I wanted to let you know, and I'm skipping ahead because in Revelations 21 and 15, there's a place where John the Revelator was measuring out and there's an angel that brought him a measuring stick if you go to verse 15 it says this moving along quickly and he spoke to me and had a golden measuring reed or rod to measure the city of the gates of the walls keep going and let's go let's go come on let's go let's go <laughs> me and the me and the computer mean computers don't get along you should know that by now and the city lieth four square and the length of the is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. In other words, he said, the city that I'm measuring, God gave me a measuring stick to measure it because I'm human. I'm gonna measure things. But then watch what it turns into. Go to the next one. And he measured the wall thereof. And 140 cubits according to the measure of a man that is of the angel and then in other words he is measuring as a man now watch what happens when God starts looking at it and the building of the wall of it was jasper and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass in other words whenever God starts talking about his city he no longer has a measuring stick he starts talking about the substance of what's in it because God's not looking at the things the way God, that man measures it. God's looking at things according to the substance. You can't know what's in a person's heart by measuring them. You have to know that by, by what God says about a person or what the substance of their heart is. You can't know the person just by asking them what they do or where they go because I want to tell you there's a lot of good-looking guys that can't do good work, amen? And there's a lot of good... <laughs> I don't, I don't even want to go there. There's a lot of beautiful women that don't know how to be a good mother or keep a marriage. I, I want you to know that there is people in this world that have all kinds of measuring sticks and they measure up and, and you would think that they're great at something but when you put them on a measuring scale and on a weight, you find out that there just is no substance there in their life. But I want you to know that God's not like that. When he builds something and when he, when he forms something, he forms it perfectly. There's perfect depth and perfect width and perfect height. In other words, God has a compound situation. He has more to him than just one measurement. God has more to him than just one thing. And so when you look at the weight of God, he's going to show you his substance. He's going to show you the weighty things of God. Amen? And not just the surface things. And then we find that a beautiful scripture that I love and I found not long ago 
Proverbs 11.1, 1, and it says that, talking about weights, God is very interested about scales, amen? He's very interested in scales. Anybody not interested in scales in the room? I don't like getting on them. I know you'd probably like to know what this one's saying, but I'm not even going to tell you what that one says right now. He said, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. In other words, when you put down your measuring stick and you start looking at things according to how God weighs them, you will live a better life. Because it might look like a good thing to move away and take that promotion, but what if your family falls apart while you're working? When you could have stayed and made less, but you could have kept a family together. There's all kinds of reasons why you do and don't do something. Believe me, I'm not getting into that part, of, but I want you to know that what this is referring to was in the old days when they had currency, their money was actually weighed out. And so what they would do is they would have a scale in the market and they would have, they would have weights that were set on one side of the scale. And if you owed a certain amount, they'd put that amount of weight on one side and then you put your currency on the other side till the scales weighed out. And what would happen would be the people that were in the market were dishonest and they would put the wrong weight of scale on in order to take more money from you. And Jesus dis detested that so much that it even shows up in the Old Testament whenever the proverb writer is writing with wisdom and he's saying God detests when you are dishonest about the weight or the substance of what you are if you are not truly a Christian but you profess to be a Christian I want you to know God's not happy with it if you say you're one thing but you do another on Monday through Friday God doesn't get pleased by that but when you walk in here and you're lifting your hands to worship God out of a life that's been worshiping God all week long God said I like that I delight in that I'll show up there and I'll bless that. I know I get excited. Why are you yelling? Because I get excited. I get excited about the fact that there is an importance to me opening my Bible every day and reading the Word so that whenever I open the Bible to preach here, I have a familiarity with the Word of God. I'm not just giving you something that I, that I patched together, but I've been looking at this Word, and I've been working on this, and it's been working on me all week. And when I walk into this place, the Holy Ghost doesn't fall just because we like for it to. The Holy Ghost falls because on Wednesday I laid right here, and I prayed that God would anoint this weekend and while I'm preaching this message it may not seem like much but someone online is going to feel the Holy Ghost and you can't have something here go through all of that and get to them there and they feel the power of the Holy Ghost if you don't have something that God delights in he delights in us living a weighted and glorious life Sometimes the weights are so heavy, it seems. The things we carry through life seem so heavy at times. But God said, those weights and those trials and those infirmities are such a small thing compared to the greater weight of glory that's going to come to our life from those things that we endure. Brothers and sisters, if you only knew what heaven was celebrating when you got up on a morning when you didn't feel like it and still loved on those babies and still gave them a place of safety and still read their little Bible verse and still did the things that you know to do to be a, a worthy Christian and walk with God. I'm not saying people are unworthy. I'm saying that there's something about doing the weightier things rather than the things that everybody says you're supposed to measure up to.
And sometimes I get fatigued and I get to be a jaded pastor. And I'm like, I'm tired of finishing sermons. I want the glory and the weight of God to fall in this place. And some people are not used to that. I get that. come from different backgrounds. I know that. But I'm tired of prayerless church. I want church to be full of people praying. I want to walk in on a Monday morning when I'm on my way to work and find somebody already in the altar that beat me here. I want the weight of God to be in this house so much that when somebody walks in, their weights and their things that they are carrying seem so much lighter than the weight of glory that's already here before we get here. Or do we have to pray it down? Or do we have to depend upon that prayer warrior to get us through another service because we just are not praying like we should? I'm tired of hearing just how this city has to be won. I'm tired of you can't win people like that. I want the weight of God's glory to fall on us in a way that we see him in his power and in his purpose. I'm settling for more. How about you? I'm not going to settle for less. Finish with the parable of the wheat and tares. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. You can read it as your homework. <laughs> we have homework here. But Christ, in Ephesians, he's saying that, do you understand that your God loves you so deep and so wide? And Do you understand the fullness of God? It's, it's amazing the power and the glory of God that can be in our lives and that he would grant us riches of his glory you know some people we look at them and we go man they've got it all together thank you Tanya for coming we've got they've got all the money they got the car the house they got everything their situation is situated you know we're like wow they've got it all together you can do that but I personally don't because those people you would be surprised can be miserable in fact, the people, it's kind of funny, but the people that you think have it all together sometimes don't. The people that you think are rich sometimes don't. And the people that you would feel sorry for sometimes feel sorry for the rich people because while they're driving the nice car and living in the big house, they don't have everything they want, but they don't have what they need. I would rather have Jesus. The greater weight is Jesus. I've given up so much stuff. I, I don't even want to talk about me, but at 30, I was in a C class. I was a COO of a company. And I was doing everything you're supposed to do to be successful, Reese. Everything the world says. I was in a defense supply company. We were, we were supplying all of the refreshed parts for the U.S. Humvee. I was doing cool stuff. We are building the components on the tomahawk missile the tomahawk missile it was the coolest job ever and I was in the successful place that the world said and God said I've got something else for you and I walked away from it all not because I'm so good but because somewhere someone taught me 
that sometimes it's not the more that the world says that you got to settle for. It's the greater weight of the glory of God. And we get to be part of this ministry and we get to play and we get to sing and we get to worship and we get to be together and I get to see your smile every week and we get to be a body of Christ here in Brookfield. Why? Because there was something weightier at work. Amen. I can handle the weight of losing what the world says is more. But I never want to be crushed under the weight of losing what God said was more. Do you understand what I'm saying? When God said, hey, a cross is worth it for one soul, then a sacrifice in my life is worth it that he would get the glory, amen? That there'd be greater glory in our lives. Maybe for the rest of your life, you could look at that statement different, different, the glory of God. Maybe you could choose. I know you could get newer things or you could get a better this or you could be someplace or you could travel more or maybe eat nicer meals. But maybe if you were to give to missions a little bit more, I don't know, whatever it is in your, in your sphere, whatever God's talking to you about, what are the weightier things? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just sitting down on the back porch with your wife or your husband and saying, I want, a more, I want more substance in our relationship. I want to be closer with you. And maybe it's spending some time when everybody else is out on a Friday night doing something else and you're just at home reading the word of God saying, God, this is what is more important to me. This is heavier in my life. You'll never be bitter that way. You'll never be upset with God. You'll never go wrong when you put the heavier things of God in your life first. Amen. Would you stand with me? I can't get discouraged because though the parable says that there's sowing and reaping and there's seasons and harvest, I want you to know that I might be shoveling right now I might be working right now. There might be seed down in the soil and I can't see what's going on. The hardest place to be is when you're waiting on the harvest to come up, amen? It's the hardest place to live because things die in the soil. You might have put something out there. You might have invested something and you thought you lost it, but it's still in the soil, amen? It's still growing. It's still where it needs to be. And the interesting thing about seeds is they're provided for. Inside a seed, it has its own nourishment because it can't get it from the outside soil until it breaks through that hard shell. And that hard shell is there to protect that seed so that it will grow and it will become fruitful and it will become a harvest. And so what I'm going to do is if God calls me to keep shoveling and keep working and keep waiting on the crop, then I will wait on a harvest. But one day a harvest is coming, amen? And when the harvest comes, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready for what God wants to have happen. Brother Alba came through five years ago, and he said, this church will see great revival in five years. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Let's figure out something to do for four years, and we'll all show back up here in five. That's not at all what he was meaning. What he was meaning is it's going to break forth in the fifth year. But you have to do the planning. I think that's where things die in the soil, doesn't it? Where marriages die and where things die out and where hard things happen. If we don't trust the work of the soil, how can you trust a process you can't see? But God's at work. 
And the whole time he built a place. For four years he made a, a place available so that revival can now break forth. We are now standing at the point of holding the revival sickle and bringing in a harvest. Why? Because we have waited and we have watched and we have watered and we have prayed and we have trusted the process and we have sowed and we have sowed again and we believe God. And even though harvest is coming up and even though there's tears that came up with it, God's still going to bring force the harvest because I'm settling for more not just what I can see with my eyes Jesus I know I've preached long I'm trying to influence somebody's heart to not give up in a way that makes them available to the weightier things of God we can handle the weight. There's somebody in this room that has been under the crushing weight of work and under the crushing weight of other things. And they, they feel like, is this all it's going to be? Just the, the heavy things from life. But God, would you let them know that this affliction is but for a moment. It is just for a moment according to the eternal weight of glory that's coming. And Lord God, if we could ever get into your presence, we can shrug off the weights of the world for the weight of glory in this house and you can fall on us in a way that helps us trust the, the schedule and trust that our miracle is still intact and that our miracle is still on schedule and we can trust the seed that have been sown because you are the good and mighty God that we trust in and I believe you're going to do the work in Jesus name praise lift your hands and just thank him if you have something planted right now and you're waiting for God to bring it. Just sing a praise to him right now. And just say, God, I can't do anything while it's in the soil. But I'm just going to praise you and let the rain fall. And you're going to bring a harvest that I can't even understand. There's somebody in here that needs to shrug off some weights. You've been so bound and so overbearing. Everything's been so overbearing for you. And you need to take up a new joy. Maybe you need to come to this altar. I'm opening it if you want to come. If there's not a reason, if you don't feel like this message for you, that's fine. I'll give it. I'll give a message for three people in this room that are just so tired of the weights of work, so tired of the weights of life, and they just want a fresh wind to blow through their spirit. They want. They want a fresh picture of the the glory of God and the weights of God and the beauty of what's being built in heaven and the beauty of what's coming over what's having to be endured now in this moment. Come on, reach toward heaven. Just tell him he's holy. And as we lift him up, he'll draw us up unto him. He'll lift us out of things we feel we couldn't step out of. We'll feel his faith encourages us. We'll feel his joy coming to this place.